Welcome to The Rot Focus, a podcast for writers, newbies, and veterans, and everyone in between. We're hosted by M.A. Lee with the assistance of Remy Black and Edie Runes, all from Writers, Inc. Books. Our focus is productivity, process, craft, and tools. Each episode lasts as long as it takes to fix a quick dinner, grab a short commute, or take a brisk walk. Resources and links are in the show notes. Visit us at therightfocus.blogspot.com. Now, on to this week's episode. Our claim is that writer's block doesn't exist. And you say, I don't believe it. I'm blocked. I'm suffering with writer's block. Well, believe it or not, that's the truth. It doesn't exist. We can write, but something keeps us from writing what we very well need to write. At the end of the last segment, we classified three types of writer's block. Knowing the type that's affecting us, that's part of the solution to our writer's block. The other part is our will. Even if we don't want to write, we must. We need to. We gotta. The only problem is I'm afflicted with bloody-mindedness. As soon as someone commands must, need, have to, gotta, my bloody-mindedness says, oh yeah? I think not. That's where will comes in, and that's our focus this segment. Overcoming top one of writer's block, which is writer's refusal. Writer's refusal is the least problematic of the three misidentified problems that a writer confronts. This particular malady occurs when some perverse instinct inside us decides that it doesn't want to do what it knows good and well that it must do. We chase other things by video gaming or extending our errands or doom scrolling are answering every text and email and Facebook post rather than heading to our writing area and focusing on our primary project. We claim that we have laundry to do, then plant ourselves in front of some sort of film or series while the washer and dryer work for us. You know, in the 45 minutes that the washer or dryer is running, we can write and polish a scene. We have set aside time to write. Suddenly, we look around and discover that we're in parts unknown to our writing space. This isn't writer's block. This is refusing to write. The writing has lost its first white-hot allure. Our refusal to write occurs for two very simple reasons. Either we need an escape or we need an unburdening when we've taken on too much too soon. So, desperate to escape? Then schedule an escape from your writing. Escape with a vacay. Take a vacation from writing. Take off for one day. And write about that escape when you climb into bed that night. Anais Nin said that we write to taste life twice, in the moment and in retrospection. Escape with play. Write something just for fun. Something is always there in our minds. It may not be what we want. It may not be what we can see how to use. 
Yet it's there. Our subconscious gifted it to us, and it's demanding that we deal with it. Use it or lose it, the cliché says, and that truth is never truer than with writing. Writing just anything that's not about my current project doesn't count, you retort. Wrong. It counts. It's writing. And we're talking about our brains wanting to escape that current project. We can't let our brains escape through a total shutdown. We shouldn't. It's dangerous. And we won't. And here's the third escape. Escape the grind. Write something that you know you're going to trash. Whether you delete it or burn it or shred it, just pour words onto the paper and give yourself the freedom to trash it. I would do this grind escape with paper and pen or pencil. The brain has a direct connection to your dominant hand, not to your shared hands on the keyboard, whether you use all fingers or all thumbs. Formation of the letters awakens the brain to activity. Writing words awakens thought. We need to pour out our below-the-surface thoughts, which can only happen if we are pouring straight out of our intuitive side of the brain rather than the critical side. So something needs to come out. If you need to escape the grind of writing, then something is simmering beneath your conscious mind, simmering and simmering and waiting to boil, and you need to control that simmer. Here's an escape exercise to try. Pick an evocative word, fear, beginnings, falling leaves, manipulation, and begin writing. Don't stop. Don't edit. Don't reread. Follow where your brain leads. Don't worry about cliches or song phrases or anything like that. Just write and write and write. After three to five minutes, you will hit a stop. The brain is throwing up static. To get past the static, write the last word, the one that carries an idea, over and over until a new thought surfaces, then follow that one as well. A new thought will surface. Don't judge it. Just run with it. Don't try to be coherent with all the ideas tied together. Don't try to censor what pours out. Write for 15 solid minutes. Whenever you hit a stop, follow the same procedure as before. Repeat, then run with the first thought up. I used to do this exercise with my high school students. To encourage them, I would write with them. For the first two times, I would read what I had written after we all finished. After that, I would ask for volunteers, and only volunteers, to share what they thought was their best idea. We did this writing about once a week. If ninth graders who thought they had nothing in their heads can churn out an entire page in seven minutes, you can do the same. Here's an example that I wrote with my students early in the school year. September, actually. This exercise gets easier the more you do it, and you need to let your brain talk to you instead of you always talking to your brain. Don't worry if you go way off topic. I usually would do that. Don't worry about writing complete sentences. Just get the words down without any editing whatsoever. The student's word was summer's end. 
That's not where I started. I was frustrated and looking forward to a weekend trip that would take me away. But I did start with the words, Summer's End. Here it goes. Summer's End, explaining and explaining what to do. Three minutes, then three more minutes of a simple instruction. Over and over, like rain pouring down, drop after drop, word after word, idea after idea. Now you're playing. Rain. Weather. How cold will it be? Rain. Need suit, towel, robe, slippers for wet, clothes, minimum makeup, sleeping bag, thermo rest, what else? Really lightweight, Nordic bag, want to walk in morning, boots, hiking socks, slicker? Need to buy a slicker type parka. Now this again is avoidance. Twice play, then list. What am I afraid of? What about rain makes me afraid? Rain, 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 following, runlets, running down the hillside, collecting in ditches, runoff gathers little trickles of water that become streams and streams become creeks to rivers to lakes to the sea, continuous ocean waves in and out, a steady rocky movement, cradle breathing tide and spin of earth, Two great forces making the great forces of earth move and drift and shift and affect people daily. Air and water, breathing, needing air, needing others, need to need others, need to learn to rely on others, need to learn to receive, not just give. I share this to show the difficulty of the exercise but also its revelatory experience, which I reached in the last few sentences. Again, see the static that occurred? I was directing my thoughts with the list before I took myself to task, calling it avoidance, and forced myself to follow the exercise. And the free flow of ideas finally led to a significant revelation. For killing the grind, though, when we need an escape, this exercise works best when the free flow writing lasts for 15 solid minutes. However, the seven minute exercise can become a weekly habit that will get you in touch with your right brain creative muse. If you're thinking about a scene, pick what you think is the thematic word for that scene or thematic word for a character or something of that nature and just write freely and see where it leads you. Take this escape. After it's over, write about it, journal or blog or free sketch, and the next day, return to your project. Never wait on your muse. You're a pro. You are in charge of your writing, not a fickle goddess. Never abandon your projects. Just give the one you're working on a little time off. Let it have its own vacation. Writer's refusal may also occur when we have overscheduled our lives. What we think is writer's block can be a sense of being overwhelmed. Even God rested on the seventh day. Don't be a slave driver. Take a break from that current project only. After all, we are creating and six days of creation will sap our brains. Obey a writing Sabbath on whichever day of the week works best for you. 
After all, Saturday or Sunday is the Sabbath is merely an arbitrary human decision, much as the length of months is an arbitrary human decision. When you're overwhelmed because you're overscheduled, then you need to schedule a break. Break away from Project 1 to work on Project 2. This works really well if you're moving from fiction to nonfiction. Take a couple of days, or three or four, to break ground for the next project. Do your research for Project 2. Sketch out ideas. Block out a series of scenes. Explore character development. Draw out a house plan. Or create a map with a free program such as SmartDraw. Or do some basic marketing drafts for Project 1. Marketing, by the way, is a separate project from writing the novel. Even though both are like conjoined twins dependent on each other, they require completely different thinking caps. Go ahead and write the blurb for the story. Figure out the tagline. Decide what the promotions are going to be. Sometimes, writing the blurb keeps us on track. And if we stray off, then we can always rewrite the blurb to fit. Taglines need to capture the story in a catchy way. Call them one-sentence wonders. They make great ad copy and tweets. Taglines require typewriting, 20 words or less. Better is 12 or less. Whether on the cover or in an ad or both, taglines are just as important as the opening line and the opening scene of the book. They also require a bit of rhetorical savvy either with climatic ordering or alliteration or clever metaphors or some other rhetorical device. They should give a quick glimpse of the story and spark the reader's interest. For my book, Christmas with Death, the tagline is Christmas is for miracles, merriment, and murder. Readers know from the beginning that the book is a murder mystery. The alliterative M creates a bit of catchiness that will hopefully gain a second glance from the reader. When I ran into a slump, I spent a whole day working on this tagline. Several hours that resulted in only seven words seems like an inefficient use of time. However, those seven words are the first ones that the reader will see. As I continued writing Christmas with Death, I skipped back into the story to add scenes and situations to develop the idea of miracles and merriment. When the draft for Project 1 is ready for editing, you have your marketing decided. Once you have completed Project 1 and not just ended it, you can tranquilly turn to Project 2. Sometimes, however, a simple breakaway is not sufficient. Other breakaways are available. Break away from the genre. Writing the same type of thing, while it has equal measures of comfort and fit, doesn't always feed our brains. While marketing is different from writing, it doesn't really break away from Project One. That's when breaking away from the genre you're working in becomes a necessity. One of the best ways to break away from genre is to write something different from what we usually write. We spend our days working on our projects, composing emails, popping off tweets, and spewing out posts. When we need a break away from genre, we need to write something else.
Whether we're writing fiction or nonfiction, break away with a poem. A poem requires a completely different skill set. While we don't have to write, we do need to create highly visual images. We compose in tight phrasings rather than long sentences. Or write a journal. Follow the same instructions as for the escape exercise, yet continue the writing for 30 minutes. Just let the writing flow freely without considering structure or unity or coherence or even communication. Freely written and unstructured writing benefits the slavish novelist. If we have poets, maybe you should write a story. This requires us to lengthen our thoughts and add in descriptions of characters and settings that we normally just touch upon. Compressing ideas into a compact poem helps the prose writer clarify ideas and tighten words. The lengthy exposition and narration of a story helps stretch out the poet's thought process, loosening it up before retightening. Break away from words completely if these escapes and first breakaway options do not work. How do you break away from words? Work with numbers. When we believe that our creativity is that, we can turn to something totally analytical. Take an hour or two to set up a business ledger. Track the month-by-month -month income and outgo as a report. Call it debits or credits or earnings expenses if you wish. Project expenditures into the future. What earnings are needed to fund those projected expenses? After totting up columns of numbers, the brain will beg to return to creativity. Create a running tally month to month. Office supplies, mileage, operating equipment that you need like desktop or special software or subscription programs. Operating expenses Developmental editors, content editors, publishing expenses. Professional expenses include organizations. Seek out some professional organizations for writers. Running all of these numbers will make the creative side of our brain wish it were working with words. And when tax time rolls around, we can pat ourselves on the back. And the result? Never lose sight of the mantra Nulla dies sinalinea, no days without lines. But do escape or break away from the current project. How long should an escape or breakaway last? One day? A week? A month? A whole season? Well, however long it takes to become unburdened by the project. If we escape longer than a week, we do need to dive into a major project while letting the first one sleep. We should let one project sleep while we work on another one. The combination of rest-work allows the subconscious to focus on project one, while the analytical conscious part of our brain works on project two. When the subconscious engages, creativity thrives. Plunge into the white-hot creative rush of project two. In a week, check on project one. Brains that say no can return to Project 2. Brains that say yes can continue with Project 1. 
Every day that we think about Project 1 while we work on Project 2 is a good sign. Our brain wants to take it back up. And our brains will tell us, sometimes with a shout, that it wants to return to Project 1. The need to return to it will become overpowering. Juggling two projects at once can be a good thing, especially for full-time writers who can build in a break. Project 1 in the morning, Project 2 in the afternoon, after a lunch and a walk. When we beat writer's refusal, we've beaten that little gremlin that tried to control us and that multiplied exponentially, just like the movie of Gremlins. The right focus turns its lens on every writer's secret monster, writer's block. We say the mantra writer's block doesn't exist, but something more than simple disruptions and distractions can interfere with our writing creating insurmountable walls. The right focus in the series Defeat Writer's Block analyzes the three most common types of writer's block and offers solutions to overcome and defeat this monster looming over the writer's desk. The best solution, though, is Leo Tolstoy's mantra, No Days Without Lines, Nulla Die Sinalinia. Make that your own mantra. Information for this series comes from host M.A. Lee's guidebook, Think Like a Pro, a new advent for writers, showcasing seven lessons to change your perspective from hobby writer to pro writer. See the show notes for links. Thanks for listening to The Right Focus, a podcast for writers at all levels, hosted by M.A. Lee from Writers, Inc. Books, assisted by Remy Black and Edie Runes. Our focus is productivity, process, craft, and tools. Music is licensed through Audio Jungle, called Background Music Loop. Its creator is Alexander Polishchuk, known on Audio Jungle as Plastic 3. The music comes in different iterations. Show notes and resource links for this and other episodes can be found at therightfocus.blogspot.com. Write to us at winkbooks at aol.com when you have questions, comments, and speculations. We will try to answer you as quickly as possible. By the way, we will not mind your email address. That's rude. If you find value in our content, share with your writing friends or write a review. We're small beans here without the advertising budget of the big peeps. And you can make a difference. And whatever occurs, right on.